Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canucks and uh, Minnesota Wilds going to go down at Rogers Arena tonight. Second of a five-game homestand for Vancouver and uh, all the talk continuing to surround Andre Kuzmenko sat. Yeah, everyone's talking about Kuzmenko, fourth line Kuzmenko. And uh, some people, uh, you know, have been actually very, very critical of the Kuzmenko discussion because they feel like there hasn't been enough discourse around Tyler Myers. That's been uh, (laughs) one sentiment that's been shared. So, um, yes, we we can talk about Tyler Myers as well at some point. Yeah. I think that would be fair. Uh, We've done it for five years, but we'll continue (laughs) to discuss Tyler Myers. And uh, it's a Thursday, it's game day, and uh, we want to bring in our Canuck Central colleague. It's Bick Nazar, Canuck Central post-game show, and it's a Canuck Central roundtable here on a Thursday. And we're going to get into Kuzmenko. We'll get into the defense and some of the needs for this team. But I think the overarching conversation that's happening right now with the team is... Well, they were 10-2-1 to start in the first 13 games. And now the next 13 games, they are 6-7. and seven. So who are the Canucks? Are they more like that team we saw at the first bit of the season, or are they more like this team we've seen for the last 13 games? Well, you know, if you want to be pessimistic, what you can say is what they've been these past 13 games is more of what the Canucks we've seen the past couple of years in large stretches. So maybe that is closer to who they are than, you know, what we've seen in the other 13 games. But I do think with what we've seen from Tockett and what we've seen as the high point, these last 13 games, even go back to last year towards the end with, with Tockett, uh, it's, it's the boring, it's somewhere in the middle. It's probably Mm -hmm. the the truth here, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I'd feel about it. Yeah, it, it, it's true though, right? It's it's boring, but it's true. Sometimes the truth is boring. Man. Yeah, like we want this inflammatory statement and come up with a false statement. No, like man, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But you know, I think the the games against Vegas and the games against New Jersey, I, I've been using the word exposed. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but I, I think it unveils you know yeah. some of the the, the longer term issues. You know, in, in the game against Colorado as well. When they've gone against the elite, it, it, it not just shows how far they have to go, but it specifically showcases the areas in which they actually need to improve in those games. So we've seen, like earlier in the year, you know, that game they played against the Rangers, who have been one of the best teams in the league this season. The way they played Florida early in the season – um, the Tampa game, there was stretches of some real bad moments in that game, but mm-hmm. they only ended up losing uh, in a close one. Dallas, they beat quite handily, arguably their best performance of the season, 2 nothing. Dallas looked at as one of the contenders in the West. But aside from that, you know, they're kind of, even the most optimistic would say they're kind of 50-50 in the games they've played against what we consider to be the top tier of teams in the National Hockey League. And I think a lot of that does come down to they still are missing one or two, certainly at least one, but more obviously at least two impact players to get to that level of team in the National Hockey League. Well, I mean, three if you're not counting Kuzmenko. 
Right. Kuzmenko was part of that equation earlier in the season. Yes. Right. And, and I'm not trying, again, like it's just it's just the reality of where the discourse has taken us. I mean, Kuzmenko has been healthy scratch twice. And this isn't, this isn't even about assigning blame, but just wondering big picture, how does this fit into the team? You know, devil's has advocate is Besser replaced Kuzmenko as an impact player on this roster. Yeah. Fair. Right. But how, how committed do you feel to Besser beyond next year? Not that, not that committed. So again, like it's, it's kind of the bigger picture question. And that's where, yes, they're two impact players away if Kuzmenko gets his game back. But it could be if Kuz, Kuz doesn't, then it's two more forwards and a defenseman. I, I think a phrase we all need to learn is production does not match ability. Right. And when you're looking at it, and, and also like the scarcity of talent does not, manch, does not match the amount of jobs that are available. If I said like top line player, Right, like Brock Besser is producing at a top line level right now. Does that make him a true top line player? Not necessarily, no. And so, like that's where I was getting in, into this discrepancy between production and actual ability. If you looked right now and, and looked at the Vancouver Canucks, how many top line talents do they have amongst the forwards? They have Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. And and for Miller, you'd probably rather him see him on the wing than uh, than a center. If he's playing first line, like yeah. he can work as a second line center. I think we we put that debate to bed. He's a first line winger, second line center. Yeah. So realistically, unless Kuzmenko's you know, the, the the indicators last year with thirty nine goals were very encouraging, you say okay, this could be a top line player. That's faded. And generally speaking, around the league, like how many top line forwards are there? It's probably closer to like maybe thirty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's. A lot of jobs available. Thirty-two <laughs> times three, right? That's nine. Was that ninety-six? Yeah. Yes. Ninety-six top-line jobs are available. There's just not that many to go around, and so if you can get one more, that that's going to push this group even further because the good teams are all going to have three. And and that's the thing. When I, to me, it's not even necessarily about you know having Kuzmenko and Kuzmenko. You were kind of hoping could he be that third forward, especially with how he played his first year. Does he build on it? Is he actually a truly game breaking type of goal scoring talent? He hasn't shown that yet. M- maybe it shows up again mm-hmm. at some point, and maybe what, he is, but he hasn't shown that yet. What's puzzling last year is there were moments when he was off Pedersen, and he actually drove a line. Oh, he did. We, we spoke about this a lot last year. He was playing with Dries. He was playing with other guys, and, and they were winning their matchups. He was scoring goals, creating scoring chances. There's pop in his game, but we haven't seen that uh, Kuzmenko back so far this year. But again, like JT, we can talk center, winger. Regardless, he's, he's a first-line forward. He's a premier first-line forward, a guy who can lead the league in scoring for stretches. He's second in the league scoring right now. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. So he, he, he has 18 primary assists this year. Which mm-hmm. is tied for the league lead. I mean, he he's incredibly productive, right? So you have two absolutely. Yes. The third one is a lot harder to acquire. From a forward, you have Hughes as well, who's obviously top tier yes, guy. Of course, but just from the forwards, like yeah. you want to have three forwards, you want to have like three defensemen. That's that's kind of how I view it. And you have two. Mm-hmm. It's like one more D, and you get one more forward, like one more really needle moving forward i feel like um in the context of this season that's started to become the conversation after they acquired nikita zadorov last week and with kuzmenko struggling as well is it okay if they are going to be that team that is uh not necessarily more like the first 13 games 10 2 and 1 but it's in the middle between the 500 team we've seen and that uh crazy hot team that we saw at the start of the year is it more imperative to add another defenseman to this group 
or are we leaning to the idea of they probably need a forward more that can impact this roster in the in the more immediate term whichever one goes on sale first right it's like you have xbox and ps5 you're like i like both (laughs) but i'm gonna get whichever one goes on sale first yeah it's it's that scenario and because you're you're in transition this year and they've had their success it's just whatever door opens up for first for you and it, it might be something where like Ethan Bear is the example because mm-hmm. that's the free agent defenseman. Uh, he's on sale right now, <laughs> in a way. Um, but it's for the highest bidder. Yes, and that could pose some issues for the Canucks, who've seemingly been uh, the favorite to land Bear. But you know, New Jersey is all of a sudden needy of a right shot defenseman. We know the Maple Leafs are pretty needy for a defenseman. So there might be teams that are going to be willing, well, probably will be teams that are going to be willing to sign Ethan Bear for a number than, that is higher than what the Canucks are able to give him after they got Nikita Zadorov. But in that world, like there, there is a possibility you're able to do both, where you get Ethan Bear and then maybe down the line this season, that's where your, your focus can be solely on adding a forward to this roster. Yeah, but if you can't yeah, add Ethan Bear then I think it opens up some other possibilities. And right. I think that, and, and it's funny because Ethan Bear isn't necessarily the swing guy that puts you over the top, but you add him and now you have seven deep. Yeah. You know, and it's, you're probably not going to add anybody else unless you subtract you, somebody. Like, you don't have as much top end talent on your decor as some other teams, but you have arguably as much depth on your D than, than any team would. Could could the biggest impact Ethan Bear give you the cap space of moving Tyler Myers? Well, that's the other right. Part like that's the thing. It's, yeah. If you want to go acquire a forward, it's not that Ethan Bear is going to be the one that gets traded or anything like that, or Tyler Myers is the one that gets traded. But is someone going to covet Tyler Myers? And now six million dollars or three million dollars opens up, and like that gives you the wiggle room. Well, okay. So what's the priority if you're moving Myers? Is it to get the cap space or get the asset? Probably the cap space. With a decent enough asset that you could use it to maybe go and get a talented forward to add to this group. Because I think if they move Myers, I think they'll be back in it on Tanev. Right. That's how I would view it. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Man, it's just living There's in a the lot of market. different puzzle pieces going. Rental, yes, but you're probably extending him. Sure. But you. St- I mean, it- as we're just talking about, it's like they need to go get a top six forward. Now you're you're... you're- dipping your toe in a market where you're you're missing out on assets to go get something you potentially could get in July. Yeah. And then what do you do thereafter? It's like like that's why it's so interesting. I know people get mad at us and they're like, oh what are you trading Brock Besser for? And what are you trading Kuzmenko for? It's they have to explore all these avenues to try to maximize the assets. To try and it sounds like we're talking about rebuilding again. But But also it's it's not even about rebuilding. It's about creating cap room so that you can yeah make this roster more efficient than it than the one they took over 18 months ago 24 could, months ago could you make two more well three more moves if you're moving somebody out could you do uh, subtract somebody from let's sub- subtract Myers yeah get let's say Tanev and let's say you're also able to make a move to get a forward and not just any forward a guy that can really move the needle mm-hmm. and not to say you're winning the cup this season but you could also look at this year and say well you also have a lot of pieces in place yeah. You have guys having big seasons that are your top players. Patterson and Hronik are going to get more expensive next year. Are you more likely to have a stronger team this year or next season? <sighs> next season. Yeah. You could, but Only, how more likely? Okay, how much more likely? Here's the reason why I say more likely. You know what it hinges on, though? It hinges on moving Garland. 
or Besser sure. and or Besser ultimately. But the reason I say next season is these these sound like difficult problems to solve. It's like, oh, well, you, you need you know a management group that's going to do this, and you don't. They, they're active. Yeah, they're active. Like they they go out and try to attack problems. Whether they're, or not you they're agree the with most it, active team in the league. They, they at least try to go solve the problem. So because we've seen so much change in eighteen months, I do think that there's still more to be uh, unfurled on the overall Alvine plan. I wonder how much um, their team identity factors into this conversation because under Rick Tockett and what we've seen, they want to be a stout defensive team, do they not? So Well, they do. But at the leaning same... towards helping out on that end of the ice be ultimately what they prefer to do. Yes, but at the same time, it, it comes down to you still have other needs that you have to address, and if there are possibilities to do so, why not do it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I um like there, there's always Tanev's going to have a ton of interest and there's going to be a pretty expensive price tag on him as a rental. Uh, I I don't know if there will be like I didn't uh, like what I saw out of Brett Pesha last night <laughs> against mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers, but I'd still think he's probably the most expensive rental defenseman should he come available come deadline time. Tanev is probably second. Um and. That would be tough to do. Ultimately, um, this is <laughs> these are the ongoing puzzle pieces that they're trying to fix. But what we've said all season, and really in the talk at era, they've been better defensively. They've shown an ability to be smarter mm-hmm. on the ice with their decision-making, not concede too much, yeah. take away the rush chances, take away the cross-ice pass, do those things that at least help them not give up the insane high amount of chances they gave up last year or you know have uh, a lot of games like the one against New Jersey the other night where they give up too many chances so many rush chances so many rush chances but well, also like just horrible mistakes they, they might have had more in that game rush chances than yeah. like combined the rest well of the as we talked with Woodley yesterday it was the third time this season they gave up double digit high danger chances Ooh. yeah only 3 you know that's to me, that's a positive answer, right? Like a, a three out of twenty-six, you can manage that, right? Hey, um, I'm sorry to put a uh, yes. pin in your point here. You just said they gave up, you know, so, so many goals on, on against New Jersey that were their own mistakes. Yeah, we've said that a lot about a couple of games this year, though. Oh yeah. At what point does that become like who you are? No doubt. But to me, it's still correctable. Mm-hmm. You know, like and but Don't do you most teams do that though? Like, well, yeah, but make their own mistakes. It's true, but also not. The type of mistakes these guys are making are the types of mistakes that they've come in bunches too. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's a type of stuff that it's a, a team that doesn't have focus does. Yes, you know, a team that is still you know maybe not as locked in as they need to be as the season wears on. It's one thing to get off to a great start. It's one thing to finish strong, but how do you maintain the focus throughout an entire season? And that's kind of what's waned. And and I agree, like you don't have the energy, but I still maintain that. If you're playing with focus, you can still contend plays. Yeah. It's not necessarily just about effort. It's about being in the right spot, like thinking and, and just being disciplined and focused on what you need to accomplish. And that is something that we haven't seen 
consistently enough. Like they have clear moments to move the puck and they just kind of whiff on it or just throw it up the middle and, and it gets inter- intercepted. Like I'm not talking about plays under pressure. We're talking about plays where you have a clean moment to do something yeah. and you're not doing it. And there's a lot of players that are uh, making those mistakes. Yeah. Even some of the top guys. Like there was a, a talk it was mentioning regroups today. There's even a couple of moments where I thought JT regrouped the puck against the Devils the other night when he probably should have tried to move it more towards the offensive end. Um, so the overall point I was making, though, is Tockett has kind of proven that he can coach up this team a little bit mm-hmm. and get them to buy into playing a smarter game. But what he hasn't been able to coach up, even though they are the highest scoring team in the league, their offensive chance generation and what they are in their identity as an offensive team. Like, to me, that's in the long run, that's probably the bigger issue for this team is how do they generate their chances outside of their star guys being star guys? Well, look at the five goals against New Jersey versus the six goals New Jersey created, right? It's, yeah. It's rush chances and it's high skill players for New Jersey created those chances. And it's hard work goals for Vancouver. And the hard work goals, like people love it. It's like, oh, you're gritty, you're determined, you're doing all the things necessary. That's hard. And look, you need that in the playoffs, okay? I want to be very clear. It's like, that, like that's stuff that wins in the playoffs. I get it. It's just hard to do for 82 games. Yeah. It's it's just easier when someone scores for you. It's just easier when a Jesper Bratt can be like, oh, here I go down the wing. I'm going to score this goal. Regular season, yes. It, it, during the regular season, right? And so that's why it's like this, this – you want to frame it of like, okay, what wins the playoffs? What wins in the playoffs? And that's important. But to build the confidence over the course of the year and, and you know find patterns of play, it's it's concerning at times to just go, well, the puck will end up in the slot – and you got to be the one that gets there and try to turn in a rebound. Like that that's that's tough to do for 82 games. And I I what we're questioning about like the effort waning is the effort also waning because they have to try to create offense in like the toughest way possible. Yes, it's true, but at the same time we always talk about what's the template they want to have is Vegas. And yeah. Vegas is hard working too, but their biggest trade, and honestly, is boy, is they the, made it look easy though when they came here. Right, but they do, and also the connectivity they play with. Like it, it, the puck is on their stick, off their stick, and it's constant moving north. It's like it's 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 like it's on turbo the entire time. That's how Vegas plays. That's how this team wants to play. That does take time too, though. It also takes chemistry. It takes a moment. To, you need to get to the moment where the the system is second nature you know, your staples yeah. are second nature and you're quickly making those decisions. You're doing that with confidence. Well, you need players that can execute that as well. That's a question. Do you have guys who can ex- they don't. execute that? They don't have guys that can consistently forecheck the way that they want to forecheck. Enough of those, yes. But also just in terms of how they're moving the puck getting out of their own zone. Yeah. And just the connectivity they play with through the neutral zone as well. We, we always focus on what are you doing when you're in the neutral uh, offensive zone? But how about how you get there? Yeah. And how about the speed you can generate getting in there? And do you get there enough times where you're putting the the defense on its heels, or are you just trying to, like Big said, dump it in and work your ass off just to get possession of the puck and perhaps create something? Yeah. And I think the part that they're not doing is a part that they need to do to make it easy for themselves to to play with enough connection to create some scoring chances, and that's just not happening. Well, it seems as though lately when they when they dump a puck in, there's nobody even close enough to. Uh, the defender retrieving to even try to create a battle, right? It's just too easy. Or even influence which direction the puck is going. Yes. It's just like, because they're moving so slowly through the neutral zone, they don't have that player going in hard on the forecheck. What Bick just mentioned, somebody influencing the play. Well, you need somebody to take charge to do that. And that's something that Talkit was mentioning today about how, like Oman, for instance, he's waiting 
for somebody mm-hmm. to do something. He's waiting at the blue line, doesn't want to go offside. It's like, no, you go, they'll find you. Because if you go and spring open, then somebody's going to see you and make a play towards you. Yeah. Force the play, force the opportunity. And you're not seeing enough of that. Yeah, go offside if you have to. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter to me. I'll take the offside if it means we're playing to our identity and yes. playing to our staples. The, the a coach would rather have you go north and go offside yeah. than play stagnant. Mm-hmm. The the four check and this conversation is hyper focused right now on on Andre Kuzmenko, uh, especially with Tockett's comment on Tuesday night. Start with four checking. Let's let's yeah. start there, and then today, sort of explaining it in a little bit more detail. Like, hey, here's a play. You're supposed to be the F one. You're backing off, and all of a sudden all of our assignments are mixed up because you didn't read that properly or you just chose not mm-hmm. to be the F1 in that moment. And that can happen. It's happening consistently enough that it's been a conversation all year with Kuzmenko. He's not scoring enough to make it a quieter conversation about his play as he did towards the end of last year and talk it's you know, early term as Canucks head coach. This is, it feels like Tockett's first... Um, big battle with a player. I don't. Battle is probably the wrong term, but it feels like his first one of his first really big drawn a line mo- in the sand. Yeah, it's it's it feels like one of his first big moments as a head coach. Well, it's somebody who's drawn a line in the sand with, and who's still stepped over that line a few times. Yeah, and and I think that's what's different from other guys because even with Hoaglander, we're seeing it grow more. We're seeing the trust grow more. He's staying in the lineup, and we're not seeing him being reprimanded the same way. And maybe he does. We'll see if he gets through it because the coach still makes sure to say he's doing a lot of good things. It's about maintaining it. Keep doing that because you've seen flashes, but can you do it consistently? And with Kuzmenko, it comes back to a lot of it, the line change stuff and the puck management stuff, right? Yeah. And and when you're doing the same things over and over again, and again, I'm going to cite the same thing because the coach has revealed it. I say you got to play 40 seconds, 35, 40 seconds, get off the ice. You don't take that last chance at the end of your shift. Kuz will say, I have energy, coach. I'm good. I can do it. So clearly that's not getting through. And, and that's the thing to me where it's like, okay, you're dealing with somebody who you've you know, pointed to and mm-hmm. you've told them very clearly what he needs to do and he's still not doing it. That's a challenge. That's the one that's frustrating because on the, the hollow goal, you can see like he's out there not late on his shift, but it's at the back end of his shift and doesn't close out on Siegenthaler on the dump in. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you claim you have energy. You've got to be quicker and, to close that down. And by the way, we're in the first period. Yeah. It's not like the third period. If you, if you have energy, if you, if you say you have energy at the end of your shifts, it should be easy to, to chase that guy down. It's not like you're trying to weave through three defenders and you know burning the energy, processing real time. Where do I got to go? Get the shot off. It's just go skate to that guy and influence his decision. And when you're not doing it, it's it's hard to to maintain your your ice time and slow to get back. And what happens? Canucks get outnumbered. It's yeah. a it's a complete mess in their own zone. Hey, guys made other mistakes. There's other mistakes made on the play, yeah. yes. but it doesn't help, right? And yeah. that's where you get the the mistakes compound. And sometimes it's, people say, well, he made the mistake, you know, a hundred feet away from his own goal. But yes, it doesn't mean that that doesn't lead to the goal against you, right? Yeah. And that's the thing where it, it's all connected. Um, I know uh, immediately we'll probably get texts about Tyler Myers. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. It's Look, sometimes a teammate covers for you, and sometimes you got to cover for your teammates. Yeah. And could he have come all the way back and maybe been there to, to impede Halla? Maybe, but like when Tyler Myers wins that puck, you can see Brock goes to the board where he's supposed to be, and Kuzmenko yeah. pulls up. 
Yeah. So if, if you go all the way, do you get there in that spot? Are, are you taking care or are you being responsible for the entire part of the player? You're just assuming Tyler Myers is going to get that buck past Jack Hughes. Somebody's got to recognize Zadorov's made the improper read there and try Absolutely. to recover for it. Well, this is why they say if you make one mistake, you can live with it. When you make two mistakes, that's when two or three, that's yeah. when the goal gets scored, right? Because mm-hmm. if, okay, one guy makes a mistake, fine. If the next guy doesn't make a mistake, that play doesn't happen. And that's what it also comes down to. It's you can live with one, you can't live with multiple. And um, and and with Tockett, you know, we saw him have these sorts of conversations about Brock Besser early in his tenure last season. Besser's obviously come out of it. He's played like a much more well-rounded player this year, and it's led to him having so far a career season, or it looks to be a career season, already matched his goal total from last year. But even Hoaglander now, you know, he's had him in and out of the lineup early on, has uh, kept talking about his hockey IQ and what he needs to do. And little by little, Hoaglander is chipping away at it, to use a talkit term, and he's earning a little bit more ice time. This is not something that Andre Kuzmenko can't overcome. It's just it's on him to do it. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical we're going to see from Hoaglander in the top six. Like, because now the competition's going to ramp up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Like, I don't want to be pessimistic. No, I, I, I hope he crushes. This is his best opportunity, though. Yes. Like, I don't know if he's going to get a better opportunity this year, save from injuries, because right now you have a bunch of guys struggling. He's hot. He's going. The coach is giving him a little bit of rope. Like, this is your chance to seize it, at least for a 20-30 game yeah. stretch. I don't know if he's going to get a chance like this later in the year as well when the games matter more, mm-hmm. when the stakes are higher. Like, this is his opportunity. And, and I by hope way, he seizes it. He's already gotten the opportunity once already yeah. this year. We started the year in training camp day yeah. one, they gave him the chance. He started there, didn't work, just come back down. And again, he deserves the opportunity. I want to be clear. Like, he's, he's earned, earned his spot. Yeah. He's earned it. I, if I said over under three and a half games this this last are you taking the under or over oh man why are you putting me on the spot like that <laughs> this is uh, what i do yeah i'll i mean I, I mean yes i'm taking the under i'm hoping for the over yeah. i hope he sticks because what what's better than them actually having an internal solution for their top six like honestly what's yep. better a guy making a million one on the cap this year and next year and he's a solution like i'm praying for it to be a solution yes because acquiring somebody, as we started the conversation with, would cost a lot more, not just in assets, but also probably yeah. mm-hmm. in salary and uh, cap allocation. So the, the thing about that is, um, you know, a text comes in. What about Pod Colson? I mean, I think they've made it pretty clear they want Pod Colson to have a lot of success in the AHL before he gets uh, another NHL look. Also, there needs to be a spot that opens up with injury or something to that effect. But. Right now on the big club roster, aside from Hoaglander, who's like who's worthy of that chance? You gave Phil DiGiuseppe a long rope, wasn't able to sustain it after a good start. I mean, you've kind of run out of options. We've seen Dakota Joshua get top six opportunities, never really done much with it. There's just we've seen Garland. Coach has made it clear. Garland, not always the best fit with other other players that that they might have in their top six. So like who else on the roster? internally make sense in that spot. I, I don't know if I see one other than Hoaglander right now. Hoaglander has uh, as many goals as Garland has points. Eight. That's a remarkable statistic. I mean, that's the other conversation that we don't have enough of. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you do. I mean, I, mean I, I, I need somebody else needs to bring it up because you can't just be me you know, piling on uh, Connor Garland all the time. But there's nobody that's a better option at the moment yeah. than him getting this shot. You know, and again, I'm skeptical. The thing with the thing I wonder about, and this is not a slight at Hoaglander, 
and I know Bix brought this up in the past, like he might be the best Garland replacement. And like next year, he plays that role full time if you get rid of Garland, and he's making one point one, and then driving play, being the catalyst, being the focal point, and he's doing it at a small salary, and he can move up and down your lineup if you need at times. The guys get injured. Like to me, that I would be thrilled if he can do that. And I just think sometimes we just ask so much. A guy gets hot. A guy does a little something. Well, can he can he be a star? Can he play on the top line? Can he be a top six guy? It's like, yeah, maybe. I hope so. But maybe just maybe he's a really good player who can drive play on a line of his own and maybe be a really good replacement for, for a guy like Garland. And maybe, uh, well, at least in the short term, be at a lot more affordable price than what Connor Garland is. Because, yeah. you know, if Garland's making three-ish million and doing what he's doing on the third line, I'd like to see more points. But, hey, at least they're spending more time in the offensive zone than they're spending in their own end. They haven't given up a ton of goals with Garland on the ice this year. Like, I can live with that, but it's just you're paying this guy – five million bucks he's got to be like a 50 60 point type of guy and he's not really that not at all not at all right now tough um so some good things but also definitely we're starting to see where this team needs to improve as uh this season gets a little bit older uh bick we appreciate the time see you tonight all right there he is bick nazar you'll hear him on the post game show with satyar shah after the conclusion of the canucks and Minnesota Wild. It's Stan Richo, Satyar Shah. Canuck Central continues on Sportsnet 650.